Chico's gonna give you, what Rev is gonna give you, what Ben is gonna give you, what all three are gonna give you. The Big D. Chico's gonna give you, what Rev is gonna give you, what Ben is gonna give you, what all three are gonna give you. The Big D. Chico, Rev, and Ben, yep, they're at it again. Breaking down the team, putting stats up in your head, nothing left unsaid. They're leaving it all on the field. Just like the favorite team, raising two cups and we'll chill. The knowledge is a real for a trio so true. To representing the great red, white, and blue. And you love them too. That you can't deny, so just one time. Let me hear Dallas till I die. Chico's gonna give you what? Rev is gonna give you what? Ben is gonna give you what? All three are gonna give you the Is gonna give you what Ben is gonna give you what all three are gonna give you the big D um soccer podcast huh. well welcome everyone tonight we are live to break down a bunch of news for FC Dallas fans from this past week, including a draw at New York City FC, a loss at Houston, and the firing of head coach Luchi Gonzalez. We're still kind of digesting all of this and a press conference from this afternoon. So you are in the right place to ask your questions, vent your frustrations, and make sense of what this means for FC Dallas. What is it? Was it a mistake? Did Luchi, was he treated fairly? Will Marco Ferruzzi do a better job. It's time to break it all down and take your questions and comments live here on Big D After Dark. And we're live. We're live. Welcome to Big D After Dark, live here on Facebook and on YouTube. Thank you for joining us this evening as we get right into some great FC Dallas news. Of course, I'm Nathan Hill. Follow me at Nathan J. Hill on Twitter. Um, there in, in the middle tonight is our buddy Jose Carmona at El Chico Carmona. Hello. And, and there on the end is our good friend back uh, back tonight to break down this news with us, Tommy LaBeouf. Uh, Tommy LaBeouf, sorry. And uh, what's your? Oh, I have to remember your. What's your handle on Twitter? I don't. Oh, know. it's Tom underscore FC Dallas. <laughs> Got it. Yes. Thank you. You got it right, LaBeouf though. LaBeouf, good. Um, great to have you, Tommy. Thanks for joining us. At kind of last minute. Ben's not with us tonight, so uh, we're gonna. But we're gonna get right into it because uh, it was a, a a news packed week. And so, by the way, if you're watching. If you're watching on Facebook, YouTube um, with us, share your comment, your reaction to all the news, to Lucci's dismissal, to the team's loss against Houston, um, to the press conference today. If you caught the press conference, we're not going to show any clips or anything. We're just going to talk today. We're going to vent. We're going to make sense of this together, all right, and, and have some fun together. Of course, recapping the week really quick. It was a crucial week for FC Dallas's playoff chances and it didn't quite go as planned. Of course, they traveled up to uh, actually New Jersey, played in the Red Bull Stadium in Harrison, and and pulled out a draw against NYCFC, which was a crazy and kind of a fun game. It was fun. I mean, if you just wanted to see a bunch of goals, 
uh, FC Dallas stuck around. Um, it, it was fun. Uh, uh, and in a way, even if you wish the team got three points, but then they went to Houston, a really a must-win match. And um, despite a late two, uh, a brace from Hyder Obreon, it was really a poor effort from the team. Just not good enough in a crucial match in Houston. Actually, against your top rival. Against your top rival. And you could have at least had your hands on the Texas Derby for the year. And that slipped away. Um, and really, you were done in by a former player, Fafa Pico. <laughs> Oh man, like just felt personal. Fafa was playing like this was personal. And he was boasting about uh, about it yeah. after. So he certainly was throwing salt in the wounds. Mm. That's for sure. Exactly. Felt it. I was it was not pretty. And just uh so you knew the situation wasn't hasn't been great for Lucci this season. And there's been really some really tough moments. But even I was a bit surprised about the timing of the firing. I, I, you know, I felt like, especially with the loss, playoffs are probably not really a, a, a good reality for FC Dallas. So why not see Lucci out through the end of the year, then make your analysis and see if the team improves over these final games. If there's something to pick up from and build upon. But but Dan Hunt and Cumbag has decided no. They've seen enough. Um, maybe there's more to the story that we don't know about. But ultimately, Lucci was fired during a Dallas Cowboys game, uh, which is an interesting nugget to think about. While, so, while they were winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's just start with your your base reaction. Like, uh, Jose first and Tommy, like, when you heard the news, what were your instant thoughts, your instant reaction? Um, honestly, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I was stunned. Because, you know, this late in the season – you might as well let him finish it out. You know, you, hey, you have a clean, you know, his contract's over. We're not going to pick it up. Everyone parks. Everyone's understandable. We didn't make the playoffs. They don't even have to come up for a re- with a reason. So so my take, my personal take on this, is this is all about money. And I don't mean, you know, Lucci's money. I mean, the fans are dejected right now following the Houston match because let's face it from the New York City match and the Houston match we needed four points you only got a point against New York City so those other three had to come from Houston and they didn't play with the hardened fire uh, of a of a derby you know they, they, they didn't it wasn't there not till the not until it was too late you know and, and anyway my point yeah. is yeah I hear you you've got five home games left you're worried that the fans aren't going to show up. So you kind of want to pitch them on this, oh, hey, we're still in it. Yes, Lucci, Lucci's, uh, you know, screwed the pooch. We're going to bring in the guy that's going to, you know, win those games and get us in the playoffs. And I think it's just a Hail Mary basically saying, uh, don't give up on us, show up to the home games. Because I think, honestly – Bottom line is that's what FC Dallas lives off of is is the gate, and they they can't afford to have people not show up. So otherwise, otherwise, what's the point in firing Lucci? You could have just waited it out and had a clean 
break and nobody would have complained. Nobody would have said, I mean, you know, fans would have complained, but I'm just saying yeah. you would have been in the right. Mm-hmm. And, and there would be no defense for Lucci. And now you just went and made a big clusterfuck out of it. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was shocked as well. Um, I've been critical of Lucci. I'll, I'll be the first one to say that. But, um, you know, reading, hearing, listening to all the media and just talking to season ticket holder that's just next to me, you know, he, he kind of keeps me calm when I'm at the fan level and I'm very passionate and I'm getting angry and stuff. And he'll say, you know, well, look at the roster that, that Lucci's dealing with, you know. He doesn't have competition at right back. He doesn't have really a superstar on the team. I mean, people can say Pepe is one. He's an upcoming star. Yeah. You know, he's he, he's also needs service, right? And Lucci's been dealing with injuries. You know, we started the season with Hedges hurt. We had Paxton hurt. Ferreira was hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, we started the season left back with Vargas and right back with Jader. We started with Monjoma at right back. We, in fact, the first game we didn't even have a right back. We played three center backs in the back line. That's how bad the, the roster correct. was. Mm-hmm. And you had Brisson starting. Brisson is is a is a it's a budget back. I mean, in my opinion, yeah, you may disagree. And I think I'll even disagree. more. Okay, even Martinez may also that. be a budget. You know, uh, th- neither of these guys are superstars, in my opinion. Uh, Martinez hasn't been that great. I think this year. All right. Uh, but the thing is, is that all year, the common thing is that we can't defend. And even at home, we, we can't even get, you know, get a victory at home. Um, a lot of bad marking all year. Uh, I, I have no problem with Jesus Ferreira and Paxton and Pepe, love Pepe. Um, but the whole group as a whole, this roster is, Dan Hunt has not done a great job of setting Lucci up to, for success. He set him up for failure, and to fire him, this is a PR move, guys. This is all it is. This is a PR move. We got rid of the coach. We're going to bring in Feruzzi. He's been with the club for a while, and we're going to win. And you know what? You know, we might make the playoffs because of the the, the way the, the the playoffs are set up for MLS. You could be pretty bad and make the playoffs like we did last year or the year before mm. and get mm. that one lucky lottery draw and, and play a good <laughs> game. You know, but – the truth of it is, this roster is, is terrible. I mean, this is not a roster built for a professional major soccer league. And if anybody's in the fall, it's Dan Hunt. Mm. Okay, I like it. Okay, I just want to add on on Brazon, just because Tommy brought okay, it up. Okay, that's fine. And yeah. I want to point out the handballs, the fouls, the, the late tackles, getting beat from behind. That's what I saw from Brazon this year. You know, and I'll tell you he, he gave saw. like three goals. Yeah, go ahead. Now, tell you what I saw is that after Brazon got the suspension, FC Dallas started allowing more goals than they have the entire season. Their last, like, five games, they've allowed, like, 12 goals. That's since Brazon hasn't been playing. Right. You can and, – and and I don't want to say it's not no, Brazon. probably better than we have now, but still. I, it's, yeah. it's probably a combination of Brazon and Jimmy not playing more so. Yeah. But the drop-off is huge, and I'm sorry – but you can't tell me that Hedges is healthy and you can't tell me that Commissioner Jose, that Jose is healthy and they're not they're worse than Brazan out there. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with you. And and that's my problem. My whole point with this is is Brazan plays a good game, but there's, not, there's always that one play, you know. Brazan is not the guy that's going to anchor your back line 
like like a healthy Matt Hedges. And and that's really the only knock against him. He's a number two guy. Right. And he's been the number one guy, and he's been getting outshined by Tafari every match. Right. That's fine. That's fine because I'm just saying, I, I, I know fans are against Brisson, but the fact that he's not out there has really hurt this team. Mm. And and I think people should acknowledge that, that, hey, he's not. Oh, the on the depth chart, he's not the bottom. I, I agree with you there. And I think, yeah, I think the fact that you're getting injured players out there, that means the team's already playing. You know, how does that affect the confidence of the players ahead of you, knowing that you've got a wounded uh, man in the back line? And I want to say another thing. I mentioned Monjoma. I didn't mean any disrespect to Monjoma. He's very raw. He hasn't had the minutes. He hasn't had competition at right back. What's his? What's where's the skins on the wall to be starting on the first game of the year? He doesn't have the skins. They, I they, believe he will be a good player. And they gambled on Monjoma. And the problem is, is sometimes when you throw someone into the Lions, sometimes that backfires on you because you know they get burnt enough, yeah. they start losing that confidence. And that's I think that's what we all saw is we all agree Monjoma has talent. But he lacked the confidence to go out there and perform. You saw him when he played in North Texas. He looked next level. FC Dallas, you didn't see any of that. And you could tell that he was a nervous person out there. And that's something that, you know, maybe a year from now, that'll be gone. But we don't know. That's the problem with playing young players is you got Pepe, you know, grabs the bulls by the horn. And then you got the guys that get trampled. By that. Uh, the other thing is, uh, you know, if it's coaching, so I went look back and say, you know, what did, what did we do wrong on this first goal of the game? Was it coaching? Was it players? Did a player get beat? And it looked tactically like we had too many people far up the field when Houston had the ball. And I saw Fafal uh, Picard, whatever, beat Che because Che was actually on the attacking side of the field and they had the ball. So you're setting yourself up to get beat by Picard down the line. Counters, yep. Yeah, and then we had six Houston attackers against four FC Dallas, leaving one open on the thing. And the other thing is the, the, the cross pass went right in front of the keeper, and it wasn't very hard. He could have just grabbed it, and he just watches it bounce to another player. Um, keeper, come on. I mean, we're, we're pretty bad at keeper as well. I mean, apparently we need a better keeper. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, Rev agrees on this, is the one thing that, that Jimmy brings to the table is positioning mm. and and leadership and and knowing where to sell, set himself up for major success and i think that's where you see you can't overcome that uh the brazilian kid is is talented but his awareness is all over the map and his positioning hasn't been the best he's gotten beaten on some stuff that you're like oh you know i can't believe he he wasn't you know he's just not a a, a big player he's athletic but he's not a big long player that can make up for being out of position like you know uh jesse used to be able to make up for a bad positioning because he was such a so big and long but when for me it was just very disappointing it was five minutes in the game and we're already down one nothing when you yeah. i mean you shouldn't yeah, get beat like that jimmy, yeah. jimmy has the same dimensions less athletic but he makes up for it with his awareness and his positioning which is yeah. second to none and we know keepers like they mature later like the best keepers are in their 30s. You know, they've, they've seen a lot. And this guy, this kid is young. He's thrust into this he's, tough spot, you know. Well, he's essentially a prospect. Yeah. But remember, Ma was really a third on our chart for the longest. He didn't, never played. And then it took uh, 
Jesse Gonzalez getting kicked out and uh, who Jesse else? Jesse Gonzalez was considered a young keeper, and Jesse Gonzalez is like three, four years older than than Dylan uh, <laughs> Kiss. Yeah, think about yeah. that. But, think on but, that. But yeah, I don't know that we have good competition at keeper as well. I mean, I'm just trying to point out that I think that this team is a budget team. I mean, I we mean, have, like we had Chris Sites. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, you know, he was. He was a he was a lunch pail guy, and he got the job done. Well, and our uh, we are so. By the way, viewers, you if you have reactions, comments, if you want to share how you reacted to the news of Luchi Gonzalez's firing, um, share them in the chat. We just got to share them in the chat, and don't just share them. If you got a vent, vent, let us know. I mean, if you're upset, you're disappointed, you're angry, you got a uh, you know thing to say (laughs) to the aunts, let it out. We want to hear it. Yeah, and our friend here, Durf in Snyder. Uh, is uh, uh, says, man, we are missing Nelson and Hollingshead. And so, let's start out with this, just building off of that comment. Like, so, so you can make a couple of arguments, right? We can make an argument, and certainly for those of us who have been following the team, writing about the team closely, we've had our frustrations with Lucci. Um, among those are, you know, coming out games, getting this team coming out, and they, they just flat-footed, slow having to make three subs at halftime to kind of get back into the game, um, not adjusting, it seems like, to other teams' tactical issues, or not just being, like, doing the scouting work and being like, you know, maybe our tactic isn't going to be the best against this particular team in this particular situation. You know, how do we adjust? How do we get the right configuration of players? Um, I, I don't know if he's overthinking it or if, you know, or if it's just his inexperience. So that's one side we... The team hasn't gotten the results, and at some point it is on the coach as much as it's on the players and so on. But on the other side, too, we can argue, too, um, which is an interesting argument, that you know Lucci was never giving, given a fair shake, especially this season, but for two big factors. The departure of a huge number of players, um, including Thiago Santos, two weeks before, whatever, a week before the season started, Reto Ziegler, a leader in the locker room and, uh, you know, a great penalty kick provider, uh, you know, and, but also Michael Berrios, Fafa Pico, like you had guys depart that were veteran presences, presence with the team. Um, you had guys come in who were young, younger, unproven, needing to adjust and, and so on and so forth. So you had a lot of turnover, not, to, we didn't even mention two right backs and, Tanner Tessman and Dante Seeley, you know, so. Um, but you also have injuries this season, which have been devastating. You started you started out the season without Jesus Ferreira. Paxton Pomichol is working his way back. You've got most of the back line have been out at some point or another. Right now, I'm missing your starting left back, uh, you know, your, your duo, <laughs> your starting duo, you expected, like a, a Matt Hedges and Jose Martinez have been, you know, just been injured, not been able to be together. Uh, you're missing your starting goalkeeper right now. Uh, it's just, and, and you've had international call-ups. So you have this other side on Lucci's favor. You can say, what do you expect a coach to do? Like, <laughs> be a miracle worker? To, like, do, like, the old Karate Kid Mr. Miyagi and, like, heal everybody's injuries with some kind of trick, mind trick, Jedi mind trick or something, you know? Like, so there's two sides to this, and I think it's tough because on one hand, we saw, like, plenty of moments where, like, Lucci, you got to be better. Like, you got to get more out of these guys. But you've also seen, on the other hand, a roster that really 
hasn't been good enough. Um, and we I didn't even mention Frank O'Hara, you know. So, you know, so what are you guys feeling? I mean, is it a little both and, or are you in one camp or the other? Uh, you know, I'm I'm more on the roster. We don't have a superstar on the team. I, I think that the defense is, is very weak right now. Um, I've been a bit critical, been very, very critical of Acosta on the attacking because I feel like whenever he's on the attack, he's going to shoot it. <laughs> he shoots it from, from far away, and you have all these peppy and skilled players that are scorers, and every time Acosta gets the ball, he's shooting. Why is he a DP? He didn't even play against the U.S. He played maybe like 10 minutes. And Honduras, yeah. you know, yeah. he's a great defender. I, I think he's a good defender, but I is he worth the DP money? I actually have an answer for that. Although this does not justify him skying them, which to me is a signal that somebody else should be doing it. But <laughs> I remember when Pareja was the coach, he'd have Uloa do that all the time. You know, and I remember someone asked him on one of the, I don't know who, and one of the, and they, they asked him about that. And the quest, the answer was, that you want your deep line midfielders to take those long shots so that if they get close, you know, if, if they force a save, if they force a reaction, then the defense has to account for you and you want to then, the defense has to come out and account for you. Right, but you have that's to get the ball on goal, on the target. <laughs> the point is, the, that's why Costa keeps taking the shots. It's just, he never even comes close to threatening, so it's like, like that, yeah. Why do you continue to have him be the guy doing taking that shot when he can't even hit the broadside of a barn? Right, and and there is there's also such thing as a service, right? A yeah. lob into the box. I've never seen him lob it into the box. So I mean that to me falls on the coaching. You know yeah. the players have to fall into the coach plan, and if that's his plan, then I, I think that's a foul yeah. because I don't think I, I mean he scored one goal maybe like three years ago. I um, wanted so. to add. Uh, my answer to the whole Lucci thing is, and, and the reason I think he should have seen out the season, by the way, is he should have gotten to get a jail out of free card simply because I know people are saying that he was set up to fail, but it's actually worse than that. Mm -hmm. This He basically was getting his lug, legs cut out from under him. You know, I mean, let's face it. You go through the preseason, you got Thiago Santos, you have no concerns about you're going to run a single pivot, by the way, with Thiago Santos as your destroyer, proven destroyer, and then two weeks before the start of regular season, two whole weeks before start of season, he sold, and there's no replacement. Keep in mind that Quinone didn't get signed till like two months after mm. Thiago was gone. I love Santos. He used to save us on all these defense. My point is, great. My point is, you're sitting there, you're luching, you're luching, you're like, you're like, I got a single pivot defender that can protect my back line. I don't have to worry about that. That's not where I'm focused. I'm focused on finding a backup for him, by the way, or someone that might pair up with him on the side. But that wasn't a concern. Now, two weeks before the regular season, boom, you caught out his legs and go, okay, sorry, we're gonna take your best defensive midfielder. Ah, you got Acosta, you got Tasman, you got, you got plenty of kids. All it's right. not just the coach, though. It's, then, it's the fans who buy the tickets to go to the games and expecting to see. I understand that. But then, but then, who was his replacement? One of his replacements was Tessman. All right? Well, by the way, <laughs> Tessman gets sold midseason when you bring in Quinone, who would have been his likely partner. 
Right. I'm just saying, it, it, it's every time that Lucci looked like he was going to get ahead, you cut out his leg, and then fans are demanding, well, he should be able to recover from that. No, it's hard. It's hard enough dealing with your injuries, with Jesus being on, with the international absences. You have to also account for players that are going to be yanked out of your roster and your plans and say, okay, yes, we got the next stop, next in line. Fill that guy in. It doesn't work that way. There's a drop-off from a guy like Santos to anybody that was underneath him. There was no other player that was a destroyer at, at his level that could protect the back line the way he could. That's why we've been seeing two defensive midfielders for the rest of the season. And, and, it, and it took a long time to basically unhamper, you know, the, the attack. That's why the attack was struggling so much. Right. You got a guy that you were counting on to be, uh, you know, a dual eight. There was no dual, dual eights. There right. were dual sixes, which Lucci wasn't counting on. And this is something, mind you, he spent the rest of the season – trying to basically find someone to replace Santos first. Mm-hmm. And that's before you throw in, of course, Hara. <laughs> you know, that on top of that, you know. And I'm just saying, you're, you're, you've got a guy who basically sets up his plan, and then, you know, you gotta you got to cook, and he fig- he's got the menu all set up, and then before you open, you say, ah, Sorry, but uh, we donated all the potatoes, so any, any, anything you had, with, with, uh, you can cross that off the menu. Right. So Dan Hunt came out of the, uh, you know, and had an, um, there was an article that when, when they sold test when he came out and kind of spoke finally. I think that's the first time I heard him speak all year. And he was saying how it's, it's a balancing act of trying to sell players and trying to remain competitive. And let me ask you guys. I personally think the balance is like this. We're, you know, we're selling money, but we're not really trying to win, right? I mean, it's no way is, is it like this. It's like this, right? It is. It's it's unbalanced and and simply, it's it's a big red flag for anyone that is going to be offered the managerial job because they have to look. I mean, I, I think I've, I was telling Nathan this is. Has any manager in the history of FC Dallas or the Burn had to deal with as many players being sold out from underneath him as right. Lynch has in his in his reign? Pereira didn't have to go through that, right? You know, yeah. it, well, there were a lot of players sold on the on the prayer as well. There, there were, but not to the extent. It's like it's ramped Two up. Two very good ones. Yeah. Right. Yes. But well, Diaz and Castillo, right? You know, so which did, and it did impact their performance. I mean, like it's hard to recover from that, you know. Yeah. And, well, Castillo's for they he kind of forced his way out. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a there's yeah, but you know, you know let me throw out some names and some FC Dallas players that used to play, and, and, and let's see where they are. Um, Kellen Acosta, he wasn't too good. He wasn't good enough for FC Dallas, right? He's playing for U.S. Men's National Team. Well, I think I think we all yeah. understand that that he had that was also awesome, a little drama, and um, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, this guy here, what's his name? Um, <laughs> I'm forgetting his name. This oh guy right here, God. the defender. Blas. What's his name? Oh, well, who he's we playing? Oh, for he's playing know, for U.S. Oh, Zimmer, huh? Zimmerman, yes, thank you, Zimmerman. 
Oh, he's I playing thought you were messing with us, but I didn't right. realize you were pointing at Zerman. <laughs> yeah, I got I put their heads I up, right? Gresso. I was like, is that Carlos Gresso back? No. So then you got Michael Barrios coming back and scoring goals against us for Colorado, right? Mm-hmm. It gets better. You know, we got uh, Peacock coming back who couldn't score all assists for us, scoring against us. How bad has it been? It's as bad as it's ever been here in Dallas. We, it's terrible. And do I think it's on the coach? No, I think it's on the roster. Mm. Let's let's Give catch up. Credit. I don't think Lucci's ever it once said I don't have the players right. He always I, went to battle with his players. I so think, I do. I want to say something that that is a knock on Lucci that I felt I've never really expressed it, but. I believe this is something that Lucci would have gotten out had he had time to manage at a lower level before he took over over uh, FC Dallas. And it was his belief that whenever he switched formation, it was his belief that the player should be able to play any formation because it was just positioning and uh, and and aware, you know, and knowing your roles. And every time, every time we asked him, you know, why'd you run a three-man back line? Why'd you run this? And he always would say, oh, it's just, you know, the players all know the positions. They all know, you know, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. It's a big deal having mm. your main formation and the players knowing their roles and where they're expected to play as opposed to, you know, today you're going to be a, 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 a right back and you're going to have dual. But next game, you're going to be a right wing bag, and you don't have to worry about defense. You just go forward. And little things like that, you don't think they have an, that, that have an issue, but it's repetition, repetition, repetition. Oh, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, you can't just – yeah, people – used to the formation and the expectations, and the more they do it, the faster they react, the more fluid they are. And and that's one thing that I had against Lucci is that he believed that it didn't matter how he lined them up, they should all still be able to have no drop off. Well, and that's that's, that's what, what he told you. That's what he told you. But he may have been, you know, hiding but, the truth is that he didn't have other players to play those positions, and that was his best choice. I'm, I'm just saying that was his. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. But and I'm yeah. just saying that's something that if he truly believed that, that's something that you know, several years coaching. You know, managing a D2 or D3 team would have got him out of, you know. Well, I guess what I'm going at is that we've seen Ryan Hollinshead play all over the field, right? I mean, we even seen him play keeper, right? But most recently, we had no left winger before Sean came in, right? Do you remember he moved Hollingshead up to left wing and he put Nelson in the left back? That wasn't because of a formation change. That was because he had no players to play those yeah. positions. And, and that, mind you, that was the best he could do. How Shun played the first couple of games, even though it was clear he wasn't playing... I was like, why did we sign this guy? But then after he went and came back and he had those assists, it was great. But then all of a sudden he wasn't starting. <laughs> so, you know, and I know I think Pat's going to have to do with that and tactic, but it, it just, well, let, yeah. Let, let's hit some, some comments and things, and we'll just, if you hear something you want to address, we can talk about it. Our buddy Ben Funch says, to me, the Lucci hire was a hope and a prayer. I do give him credit for playing the young guys this here is an example of what a roster made up of young guys can be. Young players and teams are inconsistent. The past two seasons, we relied on defense. And and I would agree generally with that, although at times our youngest players have been the more, more consistent than our veterans. Um, and then let's see, our Michael Crossman. Well, can I come in on that real sure, quick? Sure. My, my, question, my, answer, my question to Ben would be, what if we had uh, our right back was the guy we sold, um, not Reggie, but 
Brian, Brian Reynolds, was Reynolds at right back, and we had other players. I mean, I think that we might see different results with Lucci, you know, um, selling all these players, you know. Let's let's take the example. We, we don't sell Santos. We got Santos in the back. We have Reynolds on the right back, you know. I think that Lucci might come out, you know, I'm for sure knowing that we come out better than we are right now. I think so. that's a good point. Yeah. Well, M- Michael Crossman, um, thanks for joining the show. It says Lucci was definitely handicapped with roster and transfers, which fall in the front office. But he did, um, I, and I think he means to say, did not help himself with his lineup decisions and lack of making a change during a game. Oh. I think there's, I, I, I can agree with that. But I also say that oftentimes you're limited. You know, sure. I agree that, that he wasn't at top of his game, but because he's limited, he has a smaller window to make an error. You know, right, exactly. I, I, I'm, and I, I'm totally with you there, Jose. And I think that's the one thing that we have to remember is his window for error was much smaller than had he had a full array of, you know, his players weren't being sold or loaned out or whatnot. Right, right. He had nope. no room for mistakes. He wasn't getting any goals up top, but he wasn't getting, he was letting goals in the back because of the roster. Mm-hmm. No room and, for mistakes. And, and yes, the the our young players, of course, you know, stepped up when our veterans were. But at the same time, now you're forced to start younger players who will be inconsistent at times and disappear in certain matches. And that's that's just youth. There's no cure for that. You know, there's, you know, everybody can't be Ricardo Pepe. Yeah. Uh, there's so many good comments here, guys. I mean, and I yeah. can't get Keep to them all, but he said. Uh, ben says uh, the hunt's plan is to sell the young guys and rely on MLS level vets and international signings to actually win games. Uh, I, and I'm gonna disagree with that right now, and I'll tell you why. MLS me level vets. MLS level vets would indicate that they have MLS guys on the roster, but Dallas is the only team that doesn't have players from other MLS teams on its roster. No, they don't. So they they're bringing them. in guys they perceive to be MLS level, but are unknown quantities like Vargas. You know, he's brought in and, you know, he looked great against uh, the USL championship guys, but he clearly wasn't MLS level, you know. And and uh, O'Brien, same thing. He's perceived to be MLS level. Okay, maybe he is, yeah. but then you also have that period where you have to acclimate yourself to the league. So you're not giving Lucci that that cushion. You're saying, here's your guys. They don't need acclimation. They're good to go now. Here you go. Put them in. And, the only best that we have that I can think of would be Hedges and Hollingshead, who have been on the team for quite a while, and Mara, if that's what you're talking about. Yes, but he's really they're really relying on – signing marginal players that don't make it in the other leagues in Central America and whatever, you know, that they're not starting in Spain. They're coming here because they didn't make it over there, right? Like Martinez, yeah. you know? Yeah. But I think I think the biggest thing, and in, in look, maybe well, I'm reading this wrong, well, but they, they, they sent out a memo to all the season ticket holders, and it said that we want to get back to winning games, being competitive, and bringing trophies back to North Texas. Nowhere did it say that we wanted to compete for the MLS Cup. You know, we also have North Texas FC. I read into this that if you didn't come out point blank and say that you're out there trying to win MLS Cup, then you're not, you know, you're just trying to be competitive and win trophies for North Texas FC and sell players. In no way that in, in that they had the opportunity 
to send it to all the fans that we're out trying to win MLS Cup and be competitive. They did not. Mm. Mm. It's here, black and white. I just want to point out that that Ricarte, Obreon, Vargas, Quinone, these are all top players in the leagues they came from. All right? You know, Vargas was a top player in Venezuela. Uh, Obreon and... and uh, um, Division one or Division two. Huh? I mean, are these like MLS type leagues or? No, or... these are all top. I mean, Ricardo was was top flight Colombian, uh, you know, top eleven. So was Obreon. Uh, Vargas was top. Uh, you know, he, there's a reason he gets called into the Venezuelan national team because he was a top player in the top division of Venezuela. Quinone was a top player, you know, for his team, which is a top flight team. These aren't players that that you know we expect. Like I said, they, they, they brought them in expecting them to be able to hit MLS level in and running. But we don't know that because, let's face it, MLS, whether people like it or not, has elevated their level. And it's to the point where you can't just grab a player who's a star from another league in South America and expect him to come in and excel just because he's from South America. And that's where Dallas needs to adjust their yeah. I was understanding that Vargas was in as a project that he was, you know, a, a good talent, and he, he's definitely a, a good athlete. But he's not. He was. Touch. He, was a, he yeah. was a top player for his team, and he was he was definitely a, a star in the making in, in Venezuela. He was playing like maybe a different style of soccer where he's you know always given one on one as opposed to touching and passing in this kind of system. Well, you can't teach the physicality that you're going to get in MLS. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're if you're used to playing in a more free flowing uh, game, I'm just saying, I'm just saying you can't just the days of hey, let's sign a guy from from a South right. American league right. and he's going to come into MLS and be an instant starter. Those days are long gone, and I don't think I don't think Dallas has you know learned that yet. You know. That they need to say they, they can't we can't just say oh hey we're gonna get this goalkeeper from Gremio and boom he's gonna be your new starting goalkeeper that doesn't well, work. let me let me ask this question well we have another one from Ben if you want to go that one well he said Ben says I agree the quality of player matters I uh, we are a development club and the Kellen experience taught the owners to sell when the offers come from Europe especially if that is the goal of the player and I I do agree although some of the history on that is a little fuzzy that. Oh, there was interest from Europe, but there was never an official offer for Kellen. But, you know, uh, it's always hard to know what is true about that. And, and there was a lot of drama going on in Kellen's life. But I do agree. And also the Weston situation, I think, was one of those that taught FC Dallas that sometimes it's better to sell the player when the offer comes in rather than to wait for some price tag that you think is your valuation. It's, it's always tough to make those choices uh, in this market. So I do have a question for both of you. Fafal Picot was brought in, and you know he's. Been, I mean, not not Picot. Picot was sold, and we brought in Jader. Which one do you think has performed better, Picot or Jader? Because it, it's 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 close, but I'm going to say I think Jader has been the better player. I, I I remember when Picot was here, his assist was not there. He kept losing the ball in the final third. He never scored goals. Um, I remember well, who, who we had before uh, <clears throat> Fafa Pico was Roland Lamont, who was also this guy was actually probably a better pedigree well, than Baji. And, and Baji, yeah, and and guys who had their flashes. Um, 
But here's yeah, my answer to Obreon is I think right now I, I'm going to tell you it's a push over the whole length of the season. Really, it's a push. But Obreon is coming on now that he's had, you know, he looked like crap the first half of the season. That happens. It takes some players a full half season or entire season to get acclimated. And now you're seeing O'Brien has acclimated to MLS, and now he's starting to look like the player we were promised. Yeah. All right? Yeah, I, I definitely say O'Brien is the better player. Um, and, but would you have said that a month ago? The answer is no. A month ago, you would have said, sit that guy. Yeah, I would say they both are bad, yeah. You know, um, but I'm so. just saying, O'Brien's finally found his gear. He's finally found his footing. He's finally, found this, you know, learned the hard way that you can't simply lay down and complain. You got to dust yourself up and get up right back and get in, in the flow. And you're starting to see O'Brien make those adjustments, yeah. adjusting to the level, you know, expecting to be run over. And, yeah. and, you know, he's handling it better. And as a result, he's more dangerous, you know. And that's just – it took time. And and I think O'Brien, who, whoever the new manager is when he comes in next season, is going to be happy to have a player like O'Brien on the roster because he won't have to go with what Lucci went through of having to get O'Brien acclimated to the rest yeah. and the yep. physicality and, and yeah. the different types of fields, you know, the turf, the grass, the – you know the long travel. That's really. We hard. don't know what the yeah we don't know what the roster is going to look like with Pepe and Ferreira because I love both of those guys and I would be surprised if they're not getting offers for Pepe and Ferreira and but we need to fix the defense too you know so you know if those guys yeah. leave then man there's a lot of work to be done on this roster. I don't want to get you guys too excited about oh hey we're <laughs> gonna like turn the roster over. <laughs> That's I don't expect that. Uh, I'm sorry. We, you don't think we, they're going to sell Pepe? Uh, they're smart. They'll sell him and, and make sure he gets loaned back to them. And the same thing for any player. I mean, honestly, that's, that's what I would say. You want Chewy, you want Pepe, you got to let us have him for the end of the season. You know? Well, one thing to consider, these guys know Lucci backwards and forwards. They've been with Lucci for ages now. It's, you know, a conference zone, and now they've lost that. Yeah, and I imagine they know Marco as well. I imagine that sure, yeah, yeah, there's a yeah. relationship there. But yeah, I mean, you know, Marco's good. interim. We'll see but if he's comfort can be your enemy sometimes. You know, sometimes you need a guy that's gonna come in, come in, and demand you that doesn't know you and demands more from you. Yeah, good. You know, and and it, it and change is good sometimes. Gives you a sense of like, yeah, you're not always gonna have a coach that's that's known you since you were a little guy and and is proud of you and you know sure. and Lucio always was that sometimes coaches are gonna be hard as hell on you and are gonna ask you to do things that make you uncomfortable. But it it, it, it is hard now. I I mean just to get to your question, like I, I I'm coming around on Obreon. I think he has a role on this team, whether it's always as a starter. But yeah, I think to Jose's point the days are over when you could just go get like a fast guy, a fast player from what wherever, and and that'd be a really productive piece on your team. And and that was a different era. Now it's like there's a lot of guys that are pretty fast out there, a lot of sure. defenders who are not going to be so easily beat. You're going to have to have your good timing, a good soccer, some good soccer smarts. So we'll see. 
But yeah, like like going back to last year, Afafa was terrible. It just was... yeah, it was terrible. And the fact that he scored goals on us is, just shows how bad we are. Like I know that a couple of them were PKs, right? And you know, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how bad our defense is coming. We're letting Picault score on us because yeah. I tell you, Picault is not good. Durf Durf uh, says I think Obreon is going to be great next year, and I hope so too. And Ben Funch comes back and says, you know, I put the biggest fault on ownership. Yeah, and I agree with that. We I'm going to tell you something. Go. I want to add something on that. I, I want to say that, that the Hunts had the right idea. Their idea was we're going to have this great academy and then we're going to come, you know, from within, get the homegrowns and stuff like that. The problem, the problem with their approach is, is that MLS – keeps growing so you're they're setting up for you know their game plan is for mls is today we're going to do this to be competitive but mls next year will have new rules new yeah. new dp rules stuff like that mls is always moving the goalposts forward and you can't plan for the current mls ever and i just feel like that's what the hunts are doing they're saying oh hey you know we're, you know, we're going to have do this, do that, and we're going to be competitive, you know, with MLS next year. We're going to be better than everybody else. That's not the way it works. MLS is constantly moving the goalposts, and I just feel like like the Hunts are not keeping up with that. They're not hmm. – they have some advantages. Like you said, you got the academy, and I think the level of talent coming out of the academy five years ago would help them dominate. But that's not the case anymore because now you've got more teams spending more money, bringing in bigger name DPs, and and now other academies are starting to produce. So yeah. that 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 would have been a huge advantage five years ago. Is not a huge advantage today. Mm. The, the other thing is the you know the the MOS schedule with the other with the other parts of the world. They want our players in the middle of our season. If the Hunts could just stop selling players midseason and do it in season, do it with a plan, I think we would be more, you know, acceptance of that. You know, and that you have a plan and you're not doing it midseason. You know, it's kind further, of counterproductive to getting people in the seats. And the further point on that is, you're selling players and there's clearly no player lined up to be brought yeah. in to replace that player. It's like, okay, we're gonna sell Pepe midseason. And then we'll start looking for his replacements. No, we'll wait till next year in the third week of the season to, to start uh, looking. Well, well, they, they start looking, but they probably won't sign him until the next year. But the point is, is it seems to, uh, to me that when they do sell somebody, they haven't been looking for the guy to replace him. They should have somebody already lined up saying, okay, if, if, if Reynolds is gone, we've already got a right back that, that we've been in contact with the agent, and boom, this is going to be the guy that comes in. I got lucky with Reggie and Brian Reynolds being ready to go, you know, because Brian Reynolds really had no competition, you know. Well, I want to say they got lucky because those kids were talented and they had, you know, they have abilities that run back. You don't, that you don't know. No, lucky mean they were around, not they were lucky on the field. They were lucky to have them around because they were talented. I think they were not lucky to have him around. I think they were lucky that they didn't leave at a younger age like uh, Kenny. Yeah, okay. You know, because, I mean, Cannon opted to go to college. I mean, he could have said, no, I'm going to go sign. You know, he could have gone try it out for Europe right there and then. You know? 
And yeah. the same thing yeah. with Reynolds. I mean, I think uh, Reynolds got signed pretty young, actually. So, you know, well, well, that's, I don't want to say that's luck. I'm just saying that's them basically. That's the follow-up from the whole McKinney leaving the team that they went out and basically signed all these kids when they were teenagers, all these panic homegrown buys like Sealy and Reynolds, you know. Uh, they went out and said, okay, we got to make sure this does not happen again. I mean, it's still happening, but that's more roster limitations than anything. Well, it's going to be interesting to see because like, I know Ferruzzi has been around for a long time. I love Ferruzzi. He's been with Preya. It's going to be interesting what he does with this lineup and how, how he – Coaches the games compared to what Lucci did, where he, you know, how he subs players, how he does this and that. It's going to be interesting to see how players what react to him. Do they come out and play? Yeah. What does Ferruzzi have to do? Good question. To be given a job next year. And, and Haunt made it clear in the press conference that he really wanted to see the defense short up, at, at which, 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 you know, that, I, to me, what do you think, one. What do you think Ferruzzi would have to do? That you could then turn around to the to the fans and say, "Okay, this guy is going to be your coach." For I mean, if he wins, if he wins every game from here on out, or he gets him in the playoffs at least. So just get him to the playoffs, boom. Yeah, I, I think I well, think Dave I, Hunt, number one, he's going to have his players show up and be ready to play, no flat footing, as Nathan mentioned before. That, that's happening in Luchi. That does, that's happening in Luchi. I don't think him making the playoffs is enough. I think he has to make a run in the playoffs. I think he has to. I yeah. think. I well, think most FC fans expect to be in the playoffs, and if he gets them there, they'll be like, "Oh well, he just achieved expectations." I think my understanding is we got to win like almost all our games to make the playoffs, right? Isn't yeah, it's, pretty... it's not going to happen. Yes, but if you make the playoffs and then crash and burn in the first match of the playoffs, then what have you really achieved other than hey? Well, I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, good point. But let's see how his lineup says, but he's got to have solid defense, no unmarking like we had the other day. In Houston, where you know six people attacking on four cross pass, open goal in the box, point blank range. That can't happen. That cannot happen as a coach, right? Yeah. Especially five minutes into the game. If you're pushing up and you're trying to get a goal late in the game, that might happen, but not in five minutes of the game. And see, you know, just see better. You know, we'll see what happens under. You know. We'll see. I, I think he has to not just make the playoffs. I think he has to make a run in the playoffs, win a couple of games in the playoffs. And then he'll be the guy. But I think if even if he makes the playoffs, he makes an incredible run. We get some help, and we actually That's if he wants it. We're all assuming that he wants it. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. I mean, uh, there's that. But I'm just saying, what makes him as a guy you can bring to the fans and go, "Here's your guy." Hey, I got to ask a question. Um, there's another coach that was let go. There was there were all were remained, but there was another coach. Do you know anything about? The coach yeah, was let go, and why? His assistant, uh, is it Veras? Yeah. He was the director of scouting, too, wasn't he? He was his assistant. Yeah, there was. he was also let go. Yeah, yeah and I don't it know. It was kind of like putting the blame on him. You know, it was like, but keep the other guys. <laughs> yeah, Ben says, I think if he gets 18 points from the eight games, the Hunts will take a hard look at him as, as head coach for next year. And I, and. Now, I mean, this is why the cynicism comes in as an FC Dallas fan, because part of me says, reading Hunt's things, you know, you, you, I get my cynical side would be like, hey, wouldn't you know, Dan Hunt would love nothing more to make this an easy decision where he avoids criticism. So if if Marco just turns this team around, they gel, they gut out some results, 
they make their way in the playoffs that Hunt, that Dan Hunt can say we don't we don't need to have a searching coach a, a coach search sorry uh, we can just Marco is it he he earned us a, a chance for a year or two to see where he can lead this team well and he earned gonna, it you know uh, I'm gonna throw a little water at any fan out there that's thinking that we're gonna get a marquee coach you gotta ask yourself is FC Dallas a marquee well, opening and it's not I'm sorry there's no coach out there. No big name manager saying, "Oh my God, I can't wait to go to Dallas and MLS." I'm sorry, we're not a marquee market. The Hunts have everything to do with that because, let's face it, there's no big name DPs on this roster and never have been, you know. And there's no sign that there ever will be. So, so there goes that. You're not gonna get uh, uh, someone who coached uh, coached Barcelona or PSG or anyone like that saying, "I want to go there." Yeah, so, I, yeah. I, plus, I who's going to want to come coach when the, they're selling players midseason? I'm not aware that it happens so rampant as it does here at FC Dallas and other MLS teams that we thing, consistently sell players. Yeah. yeah. If you're a coach that aspires to to be a winner in MLS and use yourself as a springboard to to Europe, like uh, Jesse March or someone like that, you're not going to want to come to FC Dallas. You're going to say, "Hey, that's." You know, unless they're going to gamble on themselves because they're going to say, hey, that's not going to be a stable, volatile. Yes, there's a lot of talent. There is a lot of talent. But if they're going to keep, if I'm, I'm going to keep losing players left and right to sales and not getting. And then you're going to judge me on those results, right? Yes. Gonna, yeah. Like, yes. It's an, it's so a, it's got to be somebody that's so confident in themselves. It's got to be somebody that, that is confident that they can come in and take this talent and get everybody from all the way down to the to the academy playing his way that it doesn't matter, you know. Yeah, but I mean, what if what if you know you come in to, get, to sign the paper to be the coach and you say, hey, we're gonna continue to sell players, we're gonna continue to do this. But that's and that's, that's, that's kind of what Lucy signed up for. I mean, you know, him being fired is kind of you know. We all knew that this was the way that the club was going, unfortunately. I think Lucci expected there to be sales, but I don't think he expected to be the amount of sales that there were. Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect to be so much bad at bringing players in that couldn't play, you know, or not not ready to play. The biggest turnover turnover that Pereja had to deal with was after the collapse, all right? That's the truth. That's the, the one time where they went out and made many multiple changes. But before that, you didn't have to, he didn't have to deal with that many players exiting. Lucci has to deal with that every year. Every year, there's an exodus of talent. And Lucci's on board with it, right? Yeah, no, he, he had to be on board. Yeah. He never complained I'm about not, it. I'm not saying he wasn't. I'm sure they were up front. My point is, any manager that comes in has to accept that. Yeah. Has to accept that, hey... There will be an exodus of talent. You'll have talent around you, but you better have your number two ready to go because your number one, you're playing him. He's playing good. We're shopping him. Yeah. You know, we're That's we're crazy. we've got a big glass. He's suggesting that Lucien's going to be the uh, coach next year. Yeah, Ben That's says one from that France. maybe a, maybe Peter Lucien oh, gets no, the. Oh no, no, it's going to be the undefeated, the undefeated, no no loss. Manager, and that would be Michelle. 
<laughs> so, yeah, you know what? Well, it's uh, going to be somebody like that, you know. I, I, and, uh, and, and they're like, we got to have somebody that's more handsome than, than and, and better dressed than, than Lucci and has a better record. Yeah, I, I would be okay with Ferruzzi. I know that Ferruzzi's got the skins on the wall. I mean, you know, Lucci didn't have the skins on the wall. He did it at the academy, but he's, you know, he never did it at, at a professional level, not even as assistant. And you don't see that anywhere where they skip the assistant you, level. Let me ask you, who would you like to see them sign? Realistically, I don't mean like some some dream signature. For who coach? Would you, who would you like to see FC Dallas sign? For coach? For, for manager, yeah. If you if you had to say who would your guy? Be? Well, I, I don't. I'm not a like. I don't know all the managers left and right to tell you, but I'm okay with Fruzzi being the manager if they're going to give him players. It doesn't really matter at that point. I mean, even if it's Lucci, I would be okay with Lucci being the coach if we're not going to sell players in midfield and in midseason. You know, I don't care who the coach is. You continue to do that, no one's going to win. Okay, what about you, Nathan? Yeah, and no, I, I think. Uh... Yeah, it, it's hard. I mean, I, I, I really um, there's a couple of names out there that I'm I'm thinking about. I of course like a idea of a of a of a of FC Dallas going to Bayern and saying, look, we have a relationship already. Let's make it. That's a, a great idea. A deeper actually. relationship, and, and so and we also know that like the coach that's going to be here with us is going to be, and I know this won't please fans in some ways, but like. Hey, we want you to send an up and coming coach that you think highly of. That we're gonna, he's gonna get some experience over here with us, and then you can get him back over. Okay, you know, I, but he's I, gonna bring some reputation. I'm just gonna tell you, Nathan, that I hate that idea, just because because you're immediately the first thing that any MLS fan will think is you guys are now officially a reserve club for Bayern. You're no better. You're just basically. You're, no, you're we're a reserve club for all of Europe. <laughs> right now, we, yeah, we're a reserve club for the rest of MLS at this point, you know. <laughs> but no, I, mean, I hear you. I think that's the downside. But that's why it 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 would need to be like. I mean, I'm just saying we might as well be New York Red Bull or NYCFC. You know, are it's basically. I wouldn't mind being like that if it's going to be like a competitive team. You know, it, it, it goes back to the point. If you're going to get rid of the players two weeks before season starts, no. I would say I would be done with that if Bayern starts sending us players. But if that's not going to happen. I think that would have to be part of the equation. And as well as that being the pitch to South American talent and other key talent. Like, look, you're not just coming here just to get your leg into MLS, but like you're going to be looked at by Bayern staff. You're going to be, you, you know, not, you know, you might end up somewhere else, but, but there's going to be a pathway here. And, and I think the team has built up some potential of that with these moves. But, uh, I, cause I agree at this point, even though Dallas should be one of the premier soccer markets, Absolutely. Point, we're not Atlanta. We're not, LAFC, Los Angeles Galaxy, or even New York. I mean, we don't have some of that. You know, so it's going to be tough. And, and I don't, I just don't like the idea of them going to get an MLS guy unless it's a guy who has a track record of really turning straw into gold. Like, turning, I'd rather have Feruzzi. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, Feruzzi, I, I don't have anything against him. I, I think he'll get his shot over these next eight games. 
And that is a decent opportunity. Maybe that's why Dan Hunt said, look, let's give a guy, this guy a run. He's been loyal. Let's see what he does. If it doesn't work yeah. out, he returns to his director of operations and we go look for the next guy. Sure. If, he, if he shows something, we have another candidate to take a hard look at, you know? I don't and know. I've got two guys. I got two guys. One that's the Hunt, you know, the the in line with with the Hunt signings that you know it, it's it's a guy with connections to FC Dallas, either as a player, as a manager, or 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 an assistant that fits the Hunt signing mo. And for me, I, I've said it to Nathan, but I'd like to see uh, uh, Josema Bazan brought in from Orlando. I mean, this guy's been a long time assistant, <laughs> you know, uh, many, many years. He's very experienced. He knows MLS. He knows the Academy and, and, and he's been gone enough that he's going to be able to come in and take a fresh look and, and the players will know who he is, but not be cozy, familiar, like they were with Lucci. And, and, and that's for me, if it's somebody that has FC Dallas connections, I, I, that's my preference. Now, my non, my out of the ballpark, not a hunt signing, uh, would be, would be basically if they if they give if they say Sonata is going to run this, then bringing us another guy, and that would be a uh, uh, Renato Gaucho, who's was the manager for for Grêmio when Sonata was there. Who took him to and won uh, Copa Libertadores when they were there, and I think that's a player that if hey, my, that's a manager. I'm saying uh, I think he's currently signed to um, Flamengo. I, huh? I thought it's 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 his cherished club. Yeah, Flamingo. but I'm just saying Sonora's got the connections with him, and I would be like, hey. If, if you have to give him, I mean, I think he, I think, I think it's unrealistic because you'd have to give them a buyout of some kind. But I'm just saying it would also show that hey, that would actually show that you're going a different direction and say hey, sure, look, we didn't get the big European guy, but we've got a Copa Libertadores winning guy from Grêmio with Grêmio connections with South American, and and mind you, this is the guy you're going to be pitching to players you're trying to sign from South America. A known winner, a guy who's won in Brazil, in South America. That's, I think that's, a, would be a great signing for FC Dallas. And and if they have to do a buyout to get him, that shows that you were willing to go the extra mile to get your guy. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So, those are my two guys. One of those two guys, and I'll be a happy man. Mm. Not going to happen. Our, our buddy Ben <laughs> says, uh, Hedges... Player coach. Yes, I'm oh, joking. But... Well, which reminds me, which reminds me, I, I asked Nathan this, and it's like, give me your your managerial signing that shows us that it, it, the sign of the apocalypse is upon us. Oh. You take that as it wish. Maybe it's a manager so bad that you would quit being a fan of the team, oh. or that you think is is the completely wrong guy for the job. I mean basically a managerial signing that's the sign that is the sign that the apocalypse is upon us i have two that come to mind immediately although you know i probably wouldn't stop watching the team i mean i'd probably have to stick around just to see but like of course (laughs) 
I came to be, to be a fan of this team during the Shellis Hyman years, and like I think that ended in a disaster. He'd be an awful coach for this generation Shellis of players. Great, great, great choice. How about? Yeah. But also, I would add Jurgen Jurgen Klinsmann. I think it, it would be a it would be a, an interesting, and it might not be all bad. I think I don't. I think Jurgen deserves some respect. But like, I remember some of the USM and you, you know United States men's national team stories where he had these guys like doing oh, he yoga. Would, he would, he would be great news yogurt in, in Dallas. I yeah. guarantee it. Maybe not great. Motivational speakers. Great. And... It's funny you mentioned Hyman because that's when I moved to the area. And that's when FC Dallas, was, at that time, their roster was very thin. They didn't have a bench. I mean, you didn't yeah. see many subs because you didn't have a bench. Yeah, but he didn't. But they relied on all the players to come in. Huh? He didn't play the kids at all. Yeah. No, he didn't. And they would sign these, these, these players that were like, you know, 35 years old to come in that were good at their time, but they were like, you know, and like you always say, like, I want to see them go young. We got that now, but the problem is, is you know, we said this a million times already. Don't the sell players mid-season. Mid the question, you're tippy-toeing around it. I'll tell you, I'll tell you my side of the pockets of part of signing, and Ben will love this, Frank O'Hara, player coach. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think if we sell Pepe, and I'll strike next year. Million dollar earnings and the fact that he's not starting, we yeah, might as well not. just make him manager. He'll just he'll get up frustrated and come on the in the game in the last fan 15 minutes. Fan would immediately quit becoming an FC Dallas fan. You can tell uh, Howard's just lost a step. I mean, you could tell he was a great player in his time, and he's still not bad, but he, he's not. He, he lost a step. Like he hasn't lost a step. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's not a three million dollar player, so you know. Well, I don't see him. Question. Come on now. It's, yeah. it's been over oh, yeah. it's been over an hour let's let's wrap up all the right. show i mean we could keep going on and as we dissect I have a hard this time sleeping because i'm all wound up now. i know but <laughs> well <laughs> last question let's just shift our attention to this game this coming weekend as fc dallas travels up to vancouver um you know, a it's horrible a, team by the way a horrible team that this should be a potential three points but of course anytime you're playing away uh it's it's just tough it's just tough in this league um, you know, can FC Dallas get the win? Is this going to be the kind of game where the, the team really rallies and puts together a complete performance after a coaching change? Or are we just going to see more evidence that there's just missing pieces on this roster? I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to say I would be satisfied with a draw as long as they put up a fight and don't give up any stupid goals. But, Clearly, it's a must-win. Every, like you said, every match going forward is a must-win. So, it would be a bad, it'd be a horrible debut if you go out there and fall down and get beat by Vancouver. Yeah. And it wouldn't look good either. If it was a draw. Sorry. I would, I would expect Perusi to change the the defense to be more staying back, not go up. Uh, Lucy had a tendency to have their tag too high and press too high. And get beat, so I'm I'm thinking that Ferruzzi was going to play it back and you know not let him score and take the chances and score when the counter exists, but more selective attacking and not just leave yourself vulnerable. I think under Ferruzzi, and I think that under Ferruzzi you're going to see the players come out not flat-footed, and being that he's a, you know he's a veteran coach, he's been around for a while. He does you know he won't take any of that. Yeah, I mean, I don't. We have no idea what to expect. I mean, it, it, it's probably going to be something similar to what we've seen. If uh, you know, with, with under 
Maruzzi was a yeah, and it was. I have to say the what what you were describing is we're going to be conservative on the road. No, and, no, no, we're not, not going to be. We're not going to. Not, not necessarily. Sorry, but that's what it sounds like to me. I mean, it's it's you know. We were not conservative in Houston. In five minutes in, we were down 1-0. I don't think in five minutes in the game we're going to be down 1-0. I would say My that. gut is that Dan Hunt told Lucci, we need to win this weekend. And so that's why Lucci felt that pressure to just tell the guys to go for it. and As well as feeling like we need to get some momentum going for the playoffs here. But I, that's what I'm curious about. But you know, I think there's going to be a lot more story about this Lucci firing that's going to come out, little tidbits here and there as we go. I, yeah, I, the truth yeah. the truth has not come out. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't be surprised to see something strange. Like uh, like what if Feruzzi comes out with a 4-4-2, a classic 4-4-2. You, know, you move Obreon back further a little bit. Shun plays more of that left midfield. And then you, you have like... Ferreira and Pepe at top, or Hara and Pepe. I mean, I don't know. If he gets Paxson in the middle, I know my friend Kirk will be like, I've been saying this all year, I want yeah. Paxson in the middle. Everyone's saying, why is Paxson on the on the wing, you know? I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, he's going to come out with a 4-2-3-1. Which I don't I, know. And, it's if probably... starts, and if he starts Paxson as the 10, all the FCD fans will just be flipping out, saying, thank God. <laughs> I'd love to see it. I would love to see it. I would love to see it. I, I think that's the challenge of what Lucci has been living with, and we've all been watching. It's just like, you got some talent on this roster. And yes. even a guy like Ricarte, we mentioned him earlier, Like he, he's a talented guy, but he's always been played. It's just, has he been employed correctly? You know, and there's so many questions like this that you'll, we may see these guys depart and we may have wondered what if we had a coach that put them in the right place or maybe they were just never going to work out anyway. So it's good. It's going to be interesting to see what, what Feruzzi does on the short week of practice, how he approaches the team, what he gets out of the team. Obviously I think you got to go for three points. I, I, a draw is probably okay. You probably take a draw if you go down early and you fight back. I, I hope they, I hope they put together a great performance. And so we get a little momentum going. Yeah, I know the game before Houston, I thought the attack was pretty good. There was a lot of dynamic passing going on in the final third between Pepe and Ferreira. And I I was like, wow, they're doing very well. Even um, Jader. It was just the defense has been a problem all year. Yeah. That'll be an interesting thing to see what he does. And it'd be very convenient if if Hollingshead gets healthy and you get some guys back. It would be a big boost. Yeah. and you you wonder then too, like why, why it'd be very amusing if Feruzzi gets a fully healthy lineup, right, yeah. <laughs> for the the rest of the season, and Lucci's sitting there going, "God, I wish I had that when I was there." Right, right. Well, we need to leave it there. Appreciate all the comments tonight, all the questions, all the reactions. Uh, Jose, Tommy, thanks for for joining us tonight. It's, what a, what a pleasure. Thanks today. for asking. Rev. Anytime. Yeah. All right. And, and of course, uh, we'll we'll all up, upload the audio tonight to uh, our our anchor site, and you can find it where you can find podcasts if you want to listen later on. And uh, we'll see you next Monday night. Okay. Good night, everybody. Good night.